everyone. Thanks for listening to the Midweek Podcast. In this show, we strive to open a dialogue of how life recovery and God's Word go hand in hand. Every week, our speaker will be going through the biblical process of life transformation. And now, another episode of the Midweek Podcast. One of the songs that we sang, it kind of hit me um, whenever we were articulating that, uh, man, he has literally gone before us in battle. He has won it. And all we really can do is just worship him. It was kind of, it, it was emotional for me because I realized that uh, I was reminded. He like said to me, why do you try to do anything else? <laughs> Let us just respond and worship to him. And when we operate in any way that is contradictory to that, um, and I hope he gently reminds us, <laughs> he's already done it. He's already done it. That, that's not a battle anymore. He's already won it. Like, man, if I could get that through my thick skull. So, if you're new, uh, we are working through uh, the story of Elijah. Um, we are in 1 Kings chapter 19, and uh, we're just working through, really, uh, Elijah's story. Um, through 1 Kings, we'll dip, be dipping into 2 Kings, we'll probably continue with Elisha. Um, he's introduced today. Um, but So if you haven't uh, heard of any of this, if this is your first time, um, we do put these in a podcast format online, uh, through Spotify, through really anywhere that, does, that you can stream music from. Um, you can find the Midweek Gathering, and uh, you can stream and catch up, because all year we've been hitting Elijah. And so now we find ourselves in chapter 19, so 1 Kings 19, and uh, last week we ended on, chapter, on verse 9, and I just want to remind everyone that as Elijah, uh, he, uh, Mount Carmel occurred, fire came down, um, and then he chased after the 450 prophets of Baal. At this time, Israel had turned their back on their covenant with God. Uh, Ahab was a king that had offended the Lord more than any before him. His wife, Jezebel, uh, is just not, she is not, uh, it's a mess, it's a mess. And uh, Israel's worshiping false idols, they're turning from God, and uh, Elijah at, that, um, at the altar says, it's time to choose. If he is God, then worship him. If he is God, then worship him. No more worshiping everything else. And so uh, fire fell, consumed it against all odds. He went and chased down all 450 prophets and killed them, uh, killed them all. And so Jezebel, uh, angry, uh, spits a, a curse and says, you know, I will kill you um, by the end of this day. I'm coming after you. Uh, or let them do to me what you did to the prophets. And Elijah, scared out of his mind, operating in fear, flees. And he runs. And the same man that prayed the prayers, God, stop the rain. God, bring the rain. God, bring the fire. Uh, the same man that got to see God move uh, in some of the most incredible ways through his prayer also requested God to take his life. 
say, take me. I'm done. I'm done, God. What I love about that is, one, he was honest and vulnerable before the sovereign creator of everything, but also God's response was to care for him and to nurture him, to feed him and uh, sustain him in this season, and then inevitably ask him the question after he's regained strength and after he's had time to cope and deal with what he's dealing with. He says, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And then we now are at verse 10. These are the words of Elijah. He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He's saying to God in this moment, God said, what, where, what are you doing? Why are you here? And, he, and he's giving God as if he needs the Cliff Notes version of what has led him here. Um, but he's, he's emphasizing, uh, I am scared and I am alone, but I am zealous for you, Lord. And your people have abandoned you. Verse 11, it said, So he said, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And before I continue, what I love about this is Elijah, and I feel like, man, oftentimes we say things, but really what we're trying to communicate isn't specifically what we are articulating, right? So he's saying, I, I love you, God, and your people have abandoned you, and I am the last one that killed all the prophets of yours, and I'm all alone, and I'm scared for my life, and they're coming for me. And God hears him, and instead of correcting him on all the things that he brings up, he wants to remind him of who God is and to connect with him, to remind him that he's present. So he says, go to this place. So he goes to that place, and then the presence of the Lord was passing by, and a great strong wind was rendering the mountains and breaking into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. So at first, it seems very interesting to me. This seems very interesting. So, so Elijah, saying he's alone, complaining, scared to death, worrying, struggling with a lot of different things, right? He's human. Um, he's operating in fear, and he's saying he's alone, and God's wanting to remind him something that's so important. And I think that sometimes we operate in the same way. Uh, Elijah's past, right, if you turn around and look, the past two or three chapters, it's been all about God showing up in crazy, miraculous ways, all right? So Elijah's testimony and that of Israel's testimony has seen some miraculous things occur, clear, obvious uh, revelations of who God is and how close he is and how powerful he is. Sovereign over everything. And Elijah sits there before the presence of the Lord, and a mighty wind comes crushing and destroying boulders and mountains and shaking the earth, right? And God was not in the wind. And then the earth, there's an earthquake that begins to happen. Another powerful thing, but 
That wasn't where God was. And then fire falls, and God wasn't there either. Some of your translations say a different word, but I'm going to read my NASB, and then I'll I'll expound on it. But in verse 12, after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. Some of your translations say a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So, God brings these three miraculous things to occur. The Hail Marys. The things that Elijah had interacted with the Lord in, in the previous chapters. But he was not in them. Until a gentle whisper held his presence. And I think that sometimes, sometimes we expect and only expect God to communicate in the big and miraculous things. Sometimes we look at the Word of God and we think, if it's not writing on the wall, then I can't hear it. Sometimes, sometimes we get in this fixed mindset where we have expectations of how God should operate, and for some reason we think that's the way he only operates. But in this moment, in this cave, Elijah gets this beautiful reminder that is applying to me today. He's reminded that God wasn't present in all that stuff at that time, but he wanted to communicate to him in a gentle whisper. And he whispered, Not because it wasn't important, but because he was close. And it was just for Elijah. Oh God, that you would whisper to me. Oh God, that I would be sensitive to hear those whispers, those gentle nudges, and those ways that you remind me that you not only care, but you're close. I love characters in the Word of God um, that I can relate with. I really do. I like love that. Elijah is about to show us another way that I can relate with him. Okay? So God does this huge action. <laughs> Elijah recognizes it, which is why he wraps his mantle around his face. He covers his face with his large cloak out of pure embarrassment. Right? So he's wrapping it around his face. And, and, and it's a form of humility, like he recognizes what's happening, but it doesn't change how he responds to God. This is beautiful. So God poses the exact same question, all right? Um, so verse 13, he says, uh, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face with the mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So God poses the exact same question, Right? God asks, what are you doing? Elijah responds with the way that he responds. God shows him how he's not alone. Right? God is sovereign and in control. God re, 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 he asks the question again. What are you doing here, Elijah? And let's see how Elijah responds. He rises to the occasion. He says, you are sovereign. No. He said, I have been very zealous for you, O Lord, the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel has forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. And they seek my life 
to take it anyway, to take it away. So Elijah, he responds verbatim, the exact same that he did before God reminded him that he not only is he not alone, but God is sovereign and in control. And God is so close, he wants to whisper to him that it doesn't have to be the big and miraculous writing on the wall or the fire falling or the pillars or any of that stuff. It's, he's, he's right here. He's with us, whispering gently to our hearts. And Elijah pulls a Bennett in my mind and he just repeats the exact same thing because sometimes we don't allow what we know to be true to affect how we see a situation. So God pivots in an incredible way and gives them some marching orders. Then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you've arrived, you shall anoint Hazael, king of Aram. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Mahola, you shall anoint him as a prophet in your place. So God tries to teach him. Hey man, he's so good at this. He's so, oh, he's so good. I recognize he's not getting anywhere with huge miraculous uh, illustrations of how he's awesome. Um, so he gives him marching orders. Right? A prophet of his, uh, Lord, just send me. Here I am. So he says, this is what you need to do. You think you're alone. You think you're hopeless. You think you're the last one, and you're scared to death. Now do this. Go back. But the way in which you go back, I want you to anoint. I want you to do three things. I want you to anoint two different kings and your replacement. Okay? Because as a prophet, delivering and disseminating the word of God to the chosen people of God, we do not want this to die with you. Verses earlier, recognizing he was the last one, he said, God, take my life. I'm done. He was willing to just forsake what they had all worked on as prophets of the Lord. He was done with it. And God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not only going to remind you uh, that you have something to do, um, but I'm going to remind you through a, through, through a command that I'm giving you that the next, pro the next king of Israel Jehu, there is going to be another king. The judgment on, uh, on the present king is going to occur. It's going to happen. And so you need to go prepare the one that's going to be stepping into place when that man dies. And then the third thing that I'm going to want you to really recognize is that it's not stopping with you. You're going to anoint your predecessor. What's beautiful about the story between Elijah and Elijah is it parallels many relationships that we see all throughout Scripture. You've got Moses, right, and Joshua. You know, Moses is doing all this stuff and taking them and just, oh, man, it's chaos, right, in the Exodus. But then Joshua's the one that gets to go across the uh, promised land, right? He's leading them in. He's charging because Moses, he was unqualified by his decision-making. So he dies, and then they go in by uh, leadership of Joshua. He follows Moses. New Testament, you've got John the Baptist leading the way. Telling people, prepare. he's preparing the way for the Messiah to occur. He'd come and to be, uh, guys, this is him. This is the Messiah. The one we've been hearing about for generations. This is the guy. John the Baptist leads the way for Jesus Christ. Elijah is leading the way and championing something that the, the tides are going to shift. And Elijah is doing it. And there's Elijah who will be coming in his back step. 
following leading when his time is done. So we see two things. One, Elijah, all of his sacrifice, all of his sacrifice is not in vain. Because there's another one that is going to continue. And then, God is just so good because he just cleans it all up. He tells them that, uh, yeah, listen, all right. It shall come about that the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu, shall put to death the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu. Elijah shall put to death. Justice will occur. Verse 18. Yet I will leave, and this is so good, I will leave 7,000 in Israel. All the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So God is saying, there are 7,000 people strong in Israel. 7,000 that have not forsaken me. 7,000 that have not bowed and worshipped false idols. 7,000. Elijah, you are not alone. You may feel alone. You may feel alone. You may feel scared to death. You may feel like things are out of control. You may feel like this is the end. But one, this is not the end because I will continue what you're doing. Two, this is not the end because I will be replacing that king. And three, this is not the end and you are not alone because there are 7,000 that are still waiting to be led that are pure of heart and have not forsaken me. So Elijah, he, he has this depression and he wants, to, he wants to die. He's scared to death. And then God loves him, ministers him for days and days and days and days and days. Angels feed him, sustain him. Then he encounters God and is reminded that he doesn't always communicate in the big grand gestures. Miracles are miracles because they don't happen all the time. It's oftentimes in the gentle whispers that his peace is given. It's oftentimes, what do those gentle whispers look like? Guys, I'm going to be honest. As as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, uh, we are growing in our ability to discern a nudge from God. And that is a gift that the Holy Spirit brings in us. Because now we walk with Him. And we carry Him. We are ambassadors marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so as He whispers gently, and as we continue to look and listen for those whispers, We will grow in an understanding of what his character is like and how he's leading us. And as we say yes to the things that he wants us to say yes to, as we say no to the things he wants us to say no to, we will continue to grow in the, we will continue to hear him more clearly and speak with more confidence of the things that which he's told us to do. And for anyone that's in here that feels like God has abandoned them or forsaken them or that they are alone in this, you're not. You're you're just not. 
And for anyone who is struggling with discerning the will of God, I want you to understand something, that sometimes the chaos, or sometimes the, the lack of hearing Him, uh, sometimes that leads to us not, to, not really being confident discerning what God is telling us to do and what his will is for our life. But I want you to just hit pause on that for a second because multiple things could be happening. One, he could be silent because you need to grow in your faith, your dependency on the Lord. He could be whispering, but we are so busy and allowing so many things to be cranked up and consuming our minds and be loud all around us that we don't hear him. He could be causing the earth to shake, okay? And sometimes we're so busy or give so much of ourselves to other things, we totally miss it. But he, God, is relentlessly in pursuit of you. And sometimes applying that psalm where it's be still and know that I am God, that is where we start and pose the question of what do you have to say? You can have it all. Every thought is yours. Every decision is yours. Every action, every relationship, everything is yours. I'm ready to receive what you have for me. That's when we get to experience freedom. Freedom equal to the resurrection power, freedom. The sin ain't got nothing on a believer in Jesus Christ. Addiction ain't got nothing on a believer in Jesus Christ. That's when we get to experience reconciliation with family members, with spouses, with children that is out of alignment with typical culture, <laughs> that doesn't make sense to the rest of the world, that's when we get to walk in what it means to have a personal relationship with Christ. Sometimes it won't be the miraculous answers to prayer. Sometimes we will be depressed and feel like the end is near. but oftentimes he's wanting to speak something to you directly. So Father, I pray as we sit here, God, let us be attentive to your whisper. Let us recognize that you're close. I literally hear you saying to us, what are you doing here? The same question you asked Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you here tonight? And I want you to think of your answer. What are you looking for? 
What are you needing? Holy Spirit, I pray that you respond. God, whatever each of us are struggling with or seeking, God, I pray that you speak truth into it. Whether your words be, let me have it. Or I am near. You are loved. You are sent. I am in control. God, whatever you want to speak to our hearts, let us receive it. God, thank you so much for tonight. God, I pray that you heighten our sensitivity to your whisper. Let us grow in that discipline of hearing you. Father, if there's anyone here that feels like you were not near, God, I pray that you remind them with a gentle whisper of who they are and what you have for them. God, we are so unworthy. Thank you for loving us and pursuing us. Thank you, God. Thank you for sending your son. And Lord, if there's someone in here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, reveal that to them right now. If there are people that have known about you and even seen you move, but they don't have a personal relationship with you, God, reveal that. Tell them, point blank, right now. And give them boldness to do something about it. Thanks again for listening to the Midweek Podcast here at Temple Church. If something spoke to your heart today, we'd love to hear from you and walk alongside you. You can reach us at temple at temple.church Or you can send us a text message at 252-521-2093. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd love it if you rate and review the show and share it with your friends. That helps us to get the word out. Again, you can join us weekly for more episodes on how God can transform us and use us for His kingdom. We'll see you next time.